All right. All right. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. This is the fourth attempt at doing our intro because Laura cannot pull her fucking <laughs> self together. And I don't know why she can't say her own name. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name is Latara. My, my name is Laura. I and it. this is Passions, Passions Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back to Passions Podcast. Episode 20, woo-woo. 32. Oh, no. of the podcast. Oh, Lord. Episode 20, 20 of, the, of podcast. the podcast. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Today we're discussing episodes 32 and 33. 32 <laughs> was jam-packed full of information, Im- inf- like, and important things. Like, we can't skip over anything in the episode. We have to talk about all of it. Yeah. You know? There was just so much in it. I have two and a half pages of notes. All right. Let's get into it. All right. So episode 32 starts with uh, Sam, because remember, he has gone to the Crane Mansion to have a meeting with Julian Crane about the police budget and some expectations uh, of the department now that Sam is the new chief. And he has a little flashback. He's wearing that terrible wig. Mm. And he comes back to, like, reality. He's like, you know what? I don't think it can be here. He turns around and starts to walk away. And then Ivy walks up to her stoop. And she's carrying, like, boxes. Hat boxes. Ha- yeah. Like she's carrying a bunch boxes. of big hat boxes. Yeah. So that she couldn't see him. First of all, why is Ivy Crane the billionaire carrying her own hat boxes into her house? Here's the second question. Why does Ivy the billionaire need eight new hats all at the same time? Who knows? <laughs> there are so she many. Has so many hats. I don't um, know. I mean, I I, I want to be a hat girl, but that's a lot of hats all, uh, at, all at once. Yeah. And you know she already has a ton of hats. Yeah. And where are you wearing hats to? You know what? To the Derby, We're probably. I'm sure they go to horse races and shit. So she walks up. She has the hat boxes. So she doesn't see him. He sees her and says, Ivy... And she drops all of her hat boxes. Well, not all of them, but she drops a lot of them because she's startled mm. by this voice that she knows so well this and voice, loves. This knows voice and from loves. her past. Yes. So Ivy sees Sam, and they kind of exchange very pleasant conversation. Very, you know, very pleasant hellos. But Sam keeps calling her Mrs. Crane, and Ivy's like, "Oh, well, you, you can call me Ivy, Sam. You used to." So they're already like getting into it. I mean, they're they're both trying to be very polite, but it's very clear that it's uncomfortable between them, and that mm-hmm. there's a lot there. of history. Yeah. yeah, some more niceties happen. She congratulates him on the promotion, and then Sam is like, "Oh, you seem really surprised. Like, did Julian not tell you that I was coming over?" And Ivy tells him. Well, you know, Julian has no reason to tell me about this because no one actually knows. And Sam's like, oh, I uh, I didn't tell anybody either. Mm. So it seems like not only did they, did they have this very intense courtship, but nobody knows about it, so they had to keep it a secret. Like a secret, yeah. Yeah, so Julian is not in on any of this. He doesn't know about Sam. He doesn't know about Sam, but I feel, I feel that he has a slight little inkling. I would, would agree. Right? Yeah. So... They they go into the house. Julian comes down the stairs, and um, they're going going to meet about the police budget. And Julian says to Ivy, "Oh, darling, I'm sure you aren't interested in this boring meeting. Blah blah blah. Uh, you you can leave if you like." And she's like, "No, I think I'll like. I'd like to stay." 
So she stays for the meeting. And that kind of gives Julian a little like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And so then they have their meeting. And Julian, of course, doesn't want to do any work and doesn't do any of his own work. Of course. He says to Sam, like, of course, this this meeting is just a formality. I'll have my aides look over the budget and get back to you. And Sam's like, that's all well and good, but we want some changes this year. So we have to do a little bit of work here today, mm-hmm. you know? And so he, Sam kind of like rolls up his sleeves yeah. and he's ready to get into the numbers. And then Julian like goes to pour a couple drinks. You know, he's trying to grease the wheels a little bit. And Sam is like, no, I'm good. I don't want your booze. I don't yeah. want your bullshit. Let's get down to business. Also, why call me over here? To be your little errand boy and bring these things over to you for a meeting if you have no intention of actually having a meeting and you're not going to look at them yourselves, your aide is going to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why am I doing this song and dance for you, Mr. Crane? Yeah. It, he just wants to, like, show him his dick, basically. You know? He's he just, just like, is, yeah. like, posturing. It's so, it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm going to waste all of your time to prove to you how important my time is. Well, he also wants him to see how powerful and rich he is, right? Mm. Like, he wants him to come into his home. Mm -hmm. Because how many people have business meetings in their home, in their mansions? You know what I mean? You have a business, you have... Crane Industries, you have an office. Right. He could have come to your office, that's but instead I, you had him come to your mansion. That's what I was like, what is, why is this even happening? Yeah. He, like, you could have done this in a meeting room at, at your corporation, but you decided to have it at your mansion. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just Julian being a rich asshole. Yeah. You know. He and, is such an asshole. Yeah. And he, so he doesn't <sighs> want to do any of his own work. He's so slimy. He is. He's awful. And then he's... He is. He's awful. And then he starts trying to bring Sam's wife into it. Like, trying... I don't know what the purpose of... Here's what happened. Julian is talking about the Harmony Police picnic, fall picnic. And it's like a fundraiser for the police department. And the wife of the chief always co-chairs the event and i think that's why he brought her up he said what about your wife and he didn't know her name and he says grace you know sam Mm -hmm. says her her name's grace and julian says well normally the chief's wife co-chairs the event and she has to do you know it's a lot of work but if she doesn't want to do it you know if she's anything like my wife she won't want to do any any actual work and then sam starts to sing grace's praises it was amazing it was fantastic i love that he did that in front of ivy especially he was like well i did write down he said that she's an extraordinary woman and i can't imagine life without her yeah but he was like she does this she does that she raises the she's raised our kids she keeps our house she has her own business on top of like Mm co-chairing all these different benefits she organizes the carnival every year like she's like a pillar in the community he wanted to make it clear that he thinks the world of his wife and Mm -hmm. he ain't thinking about no ivy crane Mm -hmm. (laughs) and on top of it he's also kind of sticking it to julian crane who is insinuating that sam's Mm -hmm. wife is going to be useless and Mm -hmm. certainly she wouldn't want to participate as a co-chair even though it is kind of the expectation wives am i right (laughs) like that was kind of what he was doing yeah and And it's like sam's like i don't have the same kind of relationship with my wife that you have with yours so keep that shit to yourself and it was also messed up because he's doing it in front of ivy like he's doing it to make ivy feel look bad. bad yeah and try Ugh. yeah he's just so gross so after they talk about all of that sam leaves 
to go home, he says, I have my wife and my friends are waiting for me. I'd love to have a drink with you, but my wife and my friends are waiting for me at home. So I got to get out of here. And then Julian and Ivy talk about Sam Mm -hmm. after he leaves. Yeah, Julian is not convinced that Sam was the right person to back for the police chief. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's like, I think maybe I've made a mistake (laughs) because he has more of a backbone than I want him to. Yeah. And uh, he kind of asks Ivy for her opinion. And she was like, oh, well, you know, uh, I don't know. And then Sam... Yeah, she's like, this is the only... I've only met him. This is the first time I've met him, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, Julian says it. He's like, oh, well, that's true. You've only just met him. Yeah. So... Julian, I don't know, is then questioning Ivy why she even wanted to sit in on the meeting. Mm -hmm. He's suspicious, right? Like, things don't line up because for years and years and years, Ivy has been cold and standoffish and has been as uninvolved as possible in the affairs of his business. And then all of a sudden, she's showing an enormous amount of interest and is being kind of cagey about the fact that there's this new handsome police chief in town. And suddenly, she's showing all of this interest. Where before she did not. So Julian is like, something's going on here. Something's right. fishy. Right. Yeah. She, well, and he says, why have you never wanted to, you never wanted to sit in on any of my boring meetings before? And she says, well, I've never been invited before. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, Ivy has an answer for everything. She really does. And she does it well. Mm-hmm. Truly. You know, he can be suspicious all he wants, but she, she is on her toes. Yeah, she, she knows, is. She, and, I mean, she doesn't really so far, have anything to hide, you know. But, right. well, we'll see. We'll see about that. The fact that she's hiding it at all means that she must have something to hide. Yeah. So, they talk about the fall Harmony picnic and <laughs> how the, the police picnic or whatever. He says, Julian calls it the Harmony fall picnic. Like, yeah. he has, like, yeah. this weird... The way he said it. Why yeah, is well, it so it was, awful? It was, what, yeah, he said it because... She says, he said it like that because he's, uh, she says, I, you know, I won't, I'll co-chair the picnic. Like, Mm. I'm not, I I don't mind missing Paris. That's what it was. He says, you would miss fall fashion week in Paris for the Harmony Fall picnic. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, that's a reasonable way to say that. I wouldn't miss fall fashion week in Paris for the Harmony Fall picnic. Well... Well, the only reason she is is because she wants to meet Grace, because Grace is supposed to co-chair it with her. Well, she makes up an excuse about it, and it was really flimsy about doing it for Ethan. Yeah, she's like, well, it's a Crane-sponsored event, and we need to make this transition smooth for Ethan to take over the company, which means you and I should both be more involved in the community, and we should be rubbing elbows with people so that they feel closer to the family and more welcoming towards him. It is a flimsy excuse. Completely flimsy. I mean, y'all been doing you've been doing business the same way in this town for probably a hundred years. Yeah. I mean why change it now? Right. I, I mean whatever. Well, I mean she says she's implying that they need to make changes because the community hates the cranes, which mm. is true. Mm. Um, and Julian's like, Oh, you mean like me and my father, Alistair? And she's like, yeah, exactly like that. You dip, you jackass. We you dipshit. <laughs> you dipshit. We need to fix this. <laughs> yeah. And Julian's like, well, nothing happens in harmony unless the cranes want it to happen. Right. And I don't know why he has this like weird affected British accent. He's very clearly an American man. I 
love that. Why does well, he maybe, speak like this? Well, maybe he spent a lot of time abroad as oh. a child. And maybe he did a lot of his upbringing abroad mm. in, at Oxford. Maybe Oxford. he went to, you know... The finest establishments in Switzerland and London. Yeah, maybe he <laughs> spent a lot of time in those fucking schools that rich people send their kids to. Mm. To get them away from them, right? <laughs> <laughs> they send the kids to those fucking schools, and then when they come home, have them, like, spend all their time with the nannies. Yeah. With their four nannies. With their four nannies. Dorit. <laughs> I hate Dorit. Yeah. Anyway, go <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Does anyone like Dorit? No. <laughs> How is she still on Housewives of Beverly Hills? I don't know. Anyway, Ugh. so let's go. That That's all they really talk about, mm-hmm. right? So Sam makes his way back home, and Grace, TC, and Eve are all there. And he brings home, like, a dessert, and they make this joke about Sam having a secret because he brought home dessert. Like, oh, yeah. he must have some sort of secret. I can't believe he's bringing home something so nice for you. And then Grace is like, no, he's always bringing home such all these treats. And I'm never going to lose those five pounds, even though this woman is real thin. She's so little. She's as thin as a popsicle stick. She really is. She really is. So I, I was very taken <laughs> aback by that comment and how casually it was thrown out there. Um, the thinness, the, yeah, five pounds. Oh, I have to lose this extra five pounds. That was really shocking to me. Mm. And I don't know. It was upsetting to me (laughs) that the writers would include that for, for that woman to say, as if we should believe that, that she needs to lose any kind of weight at all. It wasn't upsetting to me because I've heard skinny women say that bullshit. You know, I've heard... Especially, like, housewives. Especially, like, watching the housewives, Mm -hmm. the real housewives. A lot of them are thin and are, like, constantly trying to lose weight. Yeah. You know? I feel like that's a real thing. You know? I don't know. I think I I just wanted Grace to, like, be a little bit more self-possessed. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like we are self-possessed and I'm constantly talking about my weight. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I'm not real thin. You know what I mean? Yeah. I probably would still be talking about... I guess I would. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... It would just maybe sad. A thin girl brought this to my attention one time, and and I knew this, and it's still very... If you are thin, let me just let you know, it is still very rude to talk to a girl who is big and call yourself fat. Because if you are fat, then I am an elephant. Mm. Right? But she brought this to my attention. She's like, you know, we all have issues with our bodies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, you're right. I, I, we all do have issues with our bodies. And just because you are thinner than I am doesn't mean that you don't like your weight. You know, and right. not, not that that's a healthy thing, to, a healthy thought to have for any of us, really. But it it's cr- we could we could do a whole podcast yeah, on this really alone, could. just how we Body see image. ourselves. Yeah, you know. But I think the writers including that for that actress to deliver was just upsetting because nobody should be watching this show and thinking that that woman needs to needs lose, to lose five weight. pounds. Yeah, nobody should be watching any show unless it's my six hundred pound life Oof. and telling anybody that they need to lose weight. You know what I mean? The fourth- and the only reason you're allowed to agree is you're allowed to say that they should lose weight is because you're agreeing with someone who wants to go on that journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just I, I just I didn't think it upset me as much as it did, but apparently it did. My six hundred pound life is the fourth best reality show on television. After what? What are the top? 
three. RuPaul's Drag Race. For sure. My 90 Day Fiance, all of its iterations, all of basically. It. Yes. And The Housewives. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. And that's The a, Housewives. That's a solid top three. Yeah. Any any Housewives franchise. Any yeah yeah. Oh, for those are those are the. I think I have to agree with you there. Yeah, they're the best, the best reality TV shows. I, yeah. I hope y'all like my definitive list. <laughs> <laughs> Go check them out. Objectively. Yeah. Ob- objectively. Anyway, let's move on. We've been talking about this shit for a while. Anyway, um, they're sitting around the table. And Eve cracks a little joke. So like, oh, well, Sam must be trying to hide something. He keeps bringing home sweets for you. Yeah. And everyone laughs about it. But Sam and TC share a moment. Like, Sam and TC look at each other like, huh. So I am certain TC knows about Ivy. Yeah. Certain of it. Because he and Sam are BFFs. And have been friends for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm certain TC knows about Ivy. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. They gave each other such a knowing look. Yeah. That... Because TC knows that he was at the Crane Mansion. Mm-hmm. He, and I'm sure he knows about Ivy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. And then later that evening, Sam and Grace are cleaning up. And Grace asks about Ivy. She's like, oh my God, is she as beautiful in real life as she is in the pictures? I have to know. What was she wearing? He's like, I don't know. Something black. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. It's like a black something or other. And you know he probably knew exactly what she was wearing. You know, For sure. He noticed. For sure. He's like, something black. I don't know. Yeah, he kind of dodges it. And is like, oh, something about the fall picnic. And yeah. Grace is like, the fall picnic? He is clearly hoping that Grace will turn down mm-hmm. the co-chair position. And she is thrilled about yeah. it. She's, of course, happy to help. Grace is a helper. She's yeah. a community leader she mm-hmm. she wants to be involved and in, i think she genuinely wants to be involved and help i don't think she even does it because she gets praise for it she does it because she wants her community to be beautiful yeah. and vibrant and a great place to live yeah grace is cool i like grace i like i like her too at first i was like what the fuck is going on with grace because <laughs> she's <laughs> levitating she's levitating she's like hanging seeing up. angels she's like at the school for no reason yeah seeing angels and hearing voices like what is going on with this woman but the more we learn yeah she is she's a community leader and she is just trying to make the world a better place yeah i mean i gotta get behind that you yeah know? so yeah he tells her about the picnic she's happy to help she of course wants to do it he goes upstairs to say goodnight to the girls. He, um, Jessica's not home yet, but Kay's there, so he goes upstairs to say goodnight to Kay. And Grace says, oh, I know how I'll make this picnic special. And she goes and pulls out some old tapes. And so when Sam comes back downstairs, she's listening to a song. Now, this is the same song that this show has flashed to us, Ivy, alone, in her living room, in the dark. Looking, staring, pining out of the window. It's the exact same song playing. So obviously it has some connection to Ivy and Sam. Sam comes down the stairs, hears the song, and is like, why are you listening to this song? And then Grace tells the most heartbreaking story. Okay? Like, this really broke my heart. And and she's happy. The thing is, the reason it's so heartbreaking is because for her, it's a cherished moment about her and Sam. Yeah. But for Sam, it's a cherished moment about him and another woman. And she has no idea. So he comes in, asks her why she's listening to that song. And she says, oh, this is how I'm going to make the picnic special. Taking some of the old music, some old music and mixing it in with the new and also, this is just one of my favorite songs. And Sam says, really? I didn't know this was one of your favorite songs. And she says, yeah, because 
on our first date, this song was playing when you walked through the door and I could see you, but you didn't see me and you looked transfixed. And so I just watched you quietly while the song was playing, while you were listening to this song. Mm. And I, I, oh my God, I just felt so bad for her. Yeah. I did because she has no clue. Right. No clue at all. And it means so much to her. And it means so much to him. Mm-hmm. You know, they, and it means two totally different things. Yeah. And it's very clear that Sam does not want to talk about this. And so, again, he just kind of dodges it a little bit. He takes the tape out of the tape player because yeah. they're listening to a cassette tape. Because <laughs> it's 1999. Yeah. And Grace comments, she's like, well, you know, your life is just such an open book. And I'm so happy that we don't have any secrets. Mm-hmm. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. oh, no. I want them to be happy and work out because these people love each other so much. Grace loves Sam. And Sam loves Grace. <gasps> What if Grace was with somebody before the fire? Before she lost all of her memories? Oh. What if she has, another like, man. another man? They're, like, shared, like, a huge part of her life, and she just doesn't know, know it. it. Oh, I my just gosh. thought about that. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe he lost her in the fire. Oh, my God. <gasps> maybe he thinks she's dead. Yeah. <gasps> oh. Oh, wow. I hate that you oh. know. I hate that you know everything. I don't know that much. I don't know you that know much. You know everything and I don't know anything. I don't know that much. No, that's a good, that might be a real thing. Who knows? I feel like you're placating me. I'm not. I'm just uh, not. All right. Well, so we're getting ourselves a nice little setup for Ivy and Grace to become co-chairs for right. this event. And become friends. Yeah. Ivy is going to weasel her way in. You just... Oh, for sure. You just wait. Yeah, now that Sam is clearly back in her line of sight, she is going to be... She's going to make sure that she and Grace are friends. Or at least friendly. Because she wants to keep her eye on Sam. Uh Uh-huh. She wants to be near Sam. Mm -hmm. She hates her fucking life. She made the wrong choice. She knows she made the wrong choice. She knows she did. Clearly. So, let's talk about Eve and TC. All right. Yes. So, at the beginning of this episode, they're still at Pilar's house, Mm -hmm. right? And we see Miguel outside in the driveway or in the backyard polishing a motorcycle. Polishing. A nice motorcycle, too. Polishing that chrome. A very nice motorcycle, also, I've never heard anything about this motorcycle. Me like, that was such a shock to me. Yeah, me like, neither. What is this motorcycle? I think you were like, maybe it belonged to his dad. Yeah. Why, why do we have to do up? so much legwork? You and I have to do so much fucking work to explain things in this show <laughs> for our own benefit of just trying to like piece things together. Because how would he have bought a motorcycle? <gasps> right, they don't have any money. Yeah. I. Um... Okay. I know, I agree. I also didn't realize he could drive. Right. I thought he would, I didn't know that he Because he was had getting a, a ride from his brother right. and stuff. So, I don't know. This is new, this is new to me, new it's information. All new. It's all new. Miguel has a motorcycle. He has a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> he's putting in that elbow grease. <laughs> yeah, and he's shining her up nice and purdy. That hog. And they're talking about charity, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then TC comes up. And Jessica mentions to um, Miguel, and TC says, 
oh, coach, why didn't you tell us that you were such a big tennis star back in high school? He says, oh, I wasn't that great. And she says, oh, I looked at the records and you were amazing. Don't be so modest. You are amazing and fantastic. And he tries to change the subject and says, <laughs> and says, you know, Miguel, how about a little one-on-one? Which Miguel's in the middle of polishing his motorcycle. Why not ask Jessica for a little one-on-one? Yeah. Sexist. That's a good point. Anyway, he says, Miguel, how about a little one-on-one basketball? And he goes to do a layup. And I immediately was like, oh, he's going to have an issue with his leg. He goes to do a layup and then his leg stiffens up, you know, and he falters. And they're like, oh, coach, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. Don't tell anyone about this, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So that happens. And uh, Eve and... Grace are inside of Pilar's home helping clean up, but they don't really talk about much. Uh, They don't talk about much, but Eve does check in with Grace about her visions. And is like, are you still seeing that little girl? Because remember, way earlier, Grace was seeing that little angel. I don't know why they call her the little girl. Yeah, she's She's very clear. She has fucking wings. She's obviously an angel. angel. She's glowing. She's glowing. Yeah. Whatever. So Eve is like, how's that going? And Grace is like, well... It's funny you should ask, because I went to the church the other day, Mary Church, what is it, St. Mary Margaret? St. Mary Margaret's. St. Mary Margaret's Church, and it's my parish. I've been there every Sunday for years and years and years, and for the first time ever, I noticed that there was a statue that had the same face as that little girl that I used to see. It's not super important, but it's worth mentioning, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of important, because later on, that fucking angel comes to life. She sure does. (laughs) Yeah, that happened. I mean, it is a little important. <laughs> so, look, stay, sticking with even TC, though, for the moment. Yeah. Um. So, even TC, go over to Grace's. Have a little dessert. They have dessert. And then they leave and go home. At their house, they're getting ready for bed. And they're like, man, we're getting old. We're going to bed really early. <laughs> and I was like, I identify with this. <laughs> and uh, they start talking about Whitney again and the Olympic dream for Whitney and uh, Eve, again, makes the point that it is Whitney's future. It is not your future, and you need to, like, let it go a little bit. Also, what's going on with your leg? You're trying to hide it from me, but I know something's wrong. Come by tomorrow, and we'll x-ray your leg and see what's what's there. I am a doctor. I am your wife, and I can do this to help you. There's no reason for you to be in pain if you don't have to be. And what does TC say? He fucking refuses. Refuses. He flat out refuses. He says, it's fine. Not only does he refuse, he snaps her. He's like, "No," yeah. he's like, "I won't do that." Like he and he and then he was like, "What?" And he's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell yeah. at you. I didn't mean to yell at you." Uh, I, I, TC in this leg, I just okay, brother. I you know, your wife's a doctor. Yeah, you can get free medical care. Right. Again, if there's no reason for you to be walking around in pain and struggling with an injury, and you don't have to be. And someone is offering to help, and it's your wife, who is a doctor. Yeah. Why would you turn that down? I don't know. Why would know. you martyr yourself? I don't know. For what? To what end? So they go to bed, and then TC, after he thinks Eve has fallen asleep, he creeps out of the bedroom and goes outside, and it looks like he goes into the shed out back, mm-hmm. and Eve, her eyes pop open, she notices that he leaves, so she goes to the window to see what's going on, and she says, oh, TC... Why won't you just put your demons to rest? Yeah. So, something's going on with TC. Mm -hmm. Who knows what. 
So we're ready to move into the charity stuff, yes? Woo, Nelly, yep. Oh my God, the charity stuff was crazy. There was a lot. Yeah, I don't know where to start with this. <laughs> I, You know where I think we start with this is... I think we start with Faith. Faith, who is at home, mm -hmm. praying, please, please, there's something wrong. Please keep charity safe. Yes. I can feel it. Something wrong is happening. Yes. There's a, please keep her safe. The, don't let the darkness get my baby. Please, Lord, keep her safe. Please, God. And she's praying. She's praying. She's praying. Because remember, Charity is in the back seat of Tabitha's cab. And Tabitha is going to kill Charity. She is absolutely in danger. Oh, for sure. Charity is absolutely in danger. Charity doesn't know it because she's fucking oblivious to everything mm -hmm. at all times. <laughs> But I, I'd also like to take this moment to again say, I was wrong about Tabitha, and she's fucking evil. She's evil! I was very wrong. I was like, oh, she's just a fun witch. No, nope, nope. she's an evil witch. She is not a fun witch. <laughs> she is evil. Yeah, straight up. Straight up evil. So, Faith is saying this prayer, and Father Lonigan at the church in Harmony at St. Mary Margaret's Church can hear the prayer. And remember, he's blind. So he's like, hello? Who's there? Who's there? He can hear her prayer. Who's there? Someone there? So he decides that he's gonna, for whatever reason, go to Pilar's yeah. house. But before he goes, the angel at that church that Grace had seen and said, oh, this looks just like the little girl that's been coming to me. Mm -hmm. She wakes up. She's like, I'm being summoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Really, it was. And Father Lonigan can't see it. <laughs> and so, there's some shit is about to go down. Some good versus evil shit is about yeah. to go down. But Father Lonigan is, without knowing why, he's feeling compelled to go to the Lopez Fitzgerald house. And so, he comes into the... Does he go to the kitchen? kitchen? He goes to the kitchen first and sees Grace and Eve. Mm -hmm. Or he doesn't see them. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he doesn't. <laughs> he, encou oh, no. he encounters Grace oh, no. and Eve. He encounters Grace and Eve. Oh, yeah. And He's like, oh, Pilar said that you were in the kitchen, Grace. Yeah, and he says, they say, oh, it's nice of you to come to Pilar's birthday party, even though it's over. Yeah. And he's like, well, I did tell her happy birthday, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here because... I've been hearing a woman's prayer, and I felt that someone was in trouble. And they're like, right. who? <laughs> <laughs> who, Father Lonigan? Can you help in any way? Of course not. Father Lonigan. I told you, both <sighs> helpful and no help at all. He basically serves as like a connector for characters. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, well, there's an inexplicable thing that needs to happen. So we'll just chalk it up to God and have <laughs> Father Lonigan do the work on earth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's kind of his entire purpose. So he, he says, I I could hear a woman's prayer and I don't know. I don't know. I just felt like I needed to come here. And then he goes outside. Yeah, he basically says that and then goes into the backyard where Jessica and Miguel are talking. talking. And he says the most questionable line so far, which is, ah, well, if it isn't my best altar girl and my favorite ex-altar boy. I mean, knowing what we know now. Knowing what we know now, <laughs> it is very problematic. Just felt like I had to point it out. Yeah. Because that line was... 
Rough. Knowing what we know now, it definitely it definitely has certain connotations. Exactly. At this point. Not about Father Lonigan specifically, yeah. but you know about the Catholic about Church. About the Catholic Church. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I guess we don't even know if it's Catholic, but it, I think it I is. Think it Does is. anybody else call their their? They called him a priest. Oh, right. He's Father Lonigan. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, Father yeah, yeah. Lonigan. Yeah, it's so Catholic. I think they're Catholic. So sorry about the background noise. If you can hear it, our neighbors continue to do yard work in their non-yards. Again, we live in Brooklyn, and not only do the people here have postage stamp-sized yards, they're mostly concrete. So how they find a way to make this much noise like, how are you is mowing incredible. Your, how are you mowing your lawn when you don't have a lawn? I just... It's shocking they're to just me. Like, they're just cosplaying suburban life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it's shocking to me, much like what happens next... In this episode. (laughs) Good segue. Father Lonigan goes outside, talks to Miguel, and and tells them the same thing they were telling Grace. But he goes into a little bit more detail. He says it was a his this woman was praying for her daughter, a young girl who's in trouble, right? Anything else you want to add to what he says? I think the exact quote was the voice I heard was praying for a young girl, someone who can't defend themselves. So it's 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 what you had. You and know. then Miguel makes the enormous leap <laughs> to Charity is in trouble. It right. might be Charity. I gotta go help Charity. And he says, where did that, which way did the cab go? And they, she's been gone for a while, I would think. I mean, the party was still going on when she left. Hours ago, I think. I, I don't know. Anyway, so Jessica says, oh, the cab just went straight down the the highway, straight down the road. And mm-hmm. so he hops on down his... Main ho- Street. He hops on his hog, <laughs> and he's off to rescue Charity. And Father Lonigan's like, guess I'll head out now. Hope I didn't upset you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just pieces yeah. out. He yeah. just boogies on out of there. Yeah, he boogies on down. <laughs> Electric boogie loop. Yeah. Oh. So he, he gets on his bike to go rescue Charity. Thank God he did. Honestly, yes. Charity is in the back of... Tabby's cab, right? <laughs> Tabby's cabby. Tabby's cabby. And they're having this conversation. And remember, Tabitha's in this horrible costume. And she's talking like this. I honestly couldn't understand a lot of what she said. Her speech was so garbled. I really had to rely on her physical acting, which is excellent. I mean, she's doing a great job. She's played like 18 characters already, and it's, I don't know, yeah. the fifth day of That Harmony. woman's great. She is great. She really is great. She, I think she and Eve might be my favorite actresses so far. And Teresa. Yeah. And Ivy. Ivy's good, too. Oh, the and Pilar, they're all good. All except for Sheridan. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, the women, honestly, a lot, the women are pretty strong on yeah. this show. Yeah, they are. Even, like, Kay and Jessica. Je- honestly, Jessica is putting, not Jessica, Kay is putting on quite a show, too, because I truly hate her. Yeah, <laughs> truly, yeah, yeah. I truly hate her. You know? If I saw her on the street, I might You're sneak like, her. Fuck you, Kay. Yeah, like, I might sneak attack her. Like, oh, please. <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't, but, oh, yeah, Lord. I hate her. Yeah, she's awful. Yeah. But. But Tabitha's is giving quite the performance. And right. although her, her it was difficult to understand her, the intention was very clear. Yeah. So she and Charity having this conversation about evil and she says she Charity's talking about the boy that she met and Tabitha says, Well, boys will do anything to <laughs> to to get in your pants, basically, you know. <laughs> and then they'll kick you to the curb. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and Charity's like, Miguel's not like that. He gave me this necklace. And, and <laughs> it means more to me than all the diamonds in the world. Yeah, because I remember it was like a Cracker Jack box necklace that he gave her. Aww. And honestly, I was like, oh, I wonder if that necklace is like imbued with love and that's oh, going to protect it. her. I kind of wish that's oh, what had happened. That would have been so great. If that was the moment that Charity became a woman. Yes! That would have been so like exciting and yeah. so different. And, yeah. you know... So unexpected. Yeah, but... Of course not. That's not what happens. She goes, well, you know, you're telling me all these things about these boys, but maybe some boys are like that, but not Miguel. Miguel's not like that. So Tabitha, as the cabbie, pretends that she's having, like, car issues. Yeah, she's like, oh, there's a flat tire. And There's a flat tire. We gotta pull over, kid. Yeah, pull over to the side. (laughs) (laughs) And so they pull over... And she and Tabitha gets out of the car and pulls Timmy out of the car because Timmy's oh. down wrapped in a blanket down oh. in the front seat, and she pulls him out and starts talking to him, even though like T- Timmy didn't have any part in the plan. No. I don't know why she just. I guess for the she, show exactly for the show in order for Tabitha to explain things and make it not as bad as Mimi who had no scene partners ever. They yeah. had to create a little henchman, which in this case is Timmy, so that she could have conversations. Yeah. So she pulls Timmy out and explains her plan, reveals her plan to Timmy. And she the plan is to bludgeon Charity to death with a giant wrench. Did mm. you see that thing? That thing it was, was huge. enormous. It was like the length of my leg. And I'm five foot ten, so it, my leg is long. It was huge. <laughs> he was, she was going to bludgeon her to death with a wrench and then bury her in the woods. Yeah. And Timmy was like, oh, you're going to knock her out and then we'll throw her in the, the lake or whatever, throw her in the river. And she's like, no, she'll pop right back up. We're going to bury her in complete darkness. Yeah, and he's like, what's this wee stuff, Tabitha? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that down. What's this wee stuff, Tabitha? Yeah. You know, Timmy Ugh. doesn't want to do it. No, because it's outright murder. Like, we have crossed the point now where it's all, I don't know, it's fun and games until it isn't. But, like, we are now moving into, like, true crime area. Yeah. I mean, Throwing she people has... and bludgeoning people to death with a blunt object. She almost drowned her. Yeah. She also almost let her fall to her death mm. in, you know, to rocks in the sea. Right. And become shark bait. Right. And now she's going to bludgeon her to death right. with her own bare, bare hands. She's just, like, escalating. Although, I guess the first attack was bare hands. They're all awful. She's, yeah, she's going to, with her own hands, beat someone to death. And then bury them. Or is she just going to knock her unconscious and bury her alive? No. Which one would be worse? I think I being buried alive. Yeah. Yeah. Being buried alive would be worse. You are correct. I think. So. Be just because of the psychological <sighs> element of that. I don't, I don't even. Talk about I can't. It. I can't. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. You and I both. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. So, yeah. She's going to. She's going to beat her to death. And just as Charity is like kneeling down. So she. Tabitha gets her out of the car and says, Oh, dear, you gotta come out and help me a little bit. Right, right, right. Yeah, can and you put this jack under the car so we can fix the tire? And I'll do everything else. So Charity's like, okay. And she puts it, she's leaned down, kneeled down to put it under there. And then Tabitha lifts that giant wrench high in the air above <laughs> her head. And then Miguel pulls up on his motorcycle and she kind of hides the wrench and Charity turns around and sees the light from the motorcycle and says, oh, someone's coming. Someone can help us. And she sees it's Miguel and she says, it's Miguel! And she runs up to him. (laughs) Here he comes to save the day. 
What's that? Here I come to save the day. What yeah, is that? Honestly, I, when you said Here Comes to Save the Day, I was thinking of a song too. It didn't sound like that, but I honestly don't know. So maybe it's we're thinking something. of the same song, but neither of us knows what it sounds like. Probably. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Miguel shows up to save the day. Thank goodness. Thank God. Oh, thank God he had that motorcycle we'd never heard of. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. And Charity hops on the back of it. Does she even have a helmet? I didn't even look. He gives her a helmet. Yeah. Okay. The cabbie's like, okay, well, you know, she, I, I, we don't really need any help. Try to, she can stay with me. We don't need your help. Blah, blah, mm. blah. I'm trying to get him to go. And he's like, no, I can just take her. And so she gets on yeah. the bike and, and they go. Then the angel shows up. Yeah. Once Charity's gone, Tabitha can see the angel there, uh-huh. and Tabitha's like, this was you! You did this! Yeah. You did this! And Timmy comes out of the woods like, who are you talking to, Tabitha? And You do that so well. Do I? You do a good Timmy. Oh, good. And Tabitha's like, the enemy! Yeah. It's the enemy! <laughs> and then Tabitha turns to the angel and says, you're never going to win! Yeah. Yeah, so great. Miguel takes Charity home, and they go up onto her front doorstep, and they're talking, and he's ready to meet her mom, but mm-hmm. she says, I don't think it'll be a good time. Yeah, she's like, he wants to convince Faith to stay where they are, or even to move to Harmony, because he like loves Charity. And Charity's like, you know what, this is not a good time to do this, so... Yeah. So Let's he say leaves. goodbye, and they do this hasta luego scene. Oh, my God. In Spanish, we don't say goodbye. We say hasta luego means see you later. Yeah. They're like, okay, hasta luego. Ugh. Whatever. whatever. It was a terrible goodbye, but whatever. Charity goes in. Well, it wasn't a goodbye. It was a it was see a... you later. <laughs> oh, and Charity goes in the house, and Faith is like, oh, thank God. I was so afraid. The darkness, evil, blah, blah, blah. And Charity says, I... Had the greatest time. I was never in any, in any danger, even though she absolutely was. And she knows it. She knows. This time she doesn't know. Well, this time she doesn't know. This time she doesn't know. She, the, like, honestly, she thought, she didn't know that Cabby was going to try to kill her. Sure. But it was like, suspicious. Her experience over the past couple days has been that of death and destruction. Yeah. And she's still like, no, this is great. Nothing's wrong. Everything's yeah. fine. There's so much love and harmony, Mom. Mm-hmm. She says, I've never experienced so much love in my life. That party was so full of love and hope and warmth. And Faith is like, that's great. Go pack. Yeah. <laughs> and then Charity even is like, you know, maybe people in harmony could help you find your twin sister. Miguel keeps saying that Mrs. Bennett knows everybody, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then Faith is like, oh, I t- spoke with her on the phone and we had this really deep connection, but nothing can come from this because we have to leave. Yeah. And- we have to leave this area, Charity. <laughs> and then Faith goes outside. Oh, well, Tabitha comes up on the porch. Oh, Remember? right. After Charity goes back inside, Tabitha comes she follows up Miguel onto the porch. And Charity. Yeah. Because she's and been so looking now, for them. She knows... Oh, sorry. I keep interrupting okay. you. So now Tabitha knows where Charity and Faith live. Even the, And it's so it actually, it's a good thing that Faith is ready to move. Because Tabitha has found them. Oh, and true. so she goes up on the porch. She basically kind of talks about how, you know, I found them. I'm going to get them. And then she goes and hides in bushes again. That's what she loves to do. She loves to crouch and hide in the bushes. That one. And Faith goes outside after Tabitha has left the porch. And she yells, I know you're out there. She's yelling at the evil. Yeah. I know you're out there. 
I know you're there. What else did she scream? I didn't write it down. I said, Faith goes outside and yells at the evil spirits. Ha ha ha. That's what I wrote. <laughs> I wrote I wrote down, Faith goes outside to yell at the evil. Oh, wow. We're yeah. on the same wavelength so, here. Well, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're out there. You're not going to get my daughter. You know. And then she goes back inside. And this part I wasn't clear about. Did she hear yes. Tabitha or did she just get a chill? Mm-hmm. She heard Tabitha. Okay. And what did Tabitha say? Well, I don't know what Tabitha said. I just remember her oh, laughing. Oh, okay. I know. Okay. So Tabitha said, it's time to call in the heavy artillery. Oh, oh she didn't hear that part. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Tabitha s- says to Timmy, it's time to call in the heavy artillery, Timmy. We need forces that are stronger than me. Yep. I, I did write that part down. Oh, okay. So, sh- yeah. So Faith didn't hear that. So <laughs> Tabitha says that. We got to call in the heavy artillery. And then she lets out the most evil laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's very Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. And that Faith could hear. She and she feels. I could see she feels like they're the evil is mocking her. Mm, you know, ooh. yeah. Which the evil is mocking her. The evil is mocking her. So, man, is that it? Is that the whole episode? Did we do it? We did it. All right. So that's it for episode thirty-two. Enjoy this ad. Okay, we are Ooh. back. We just Ooh. watched episode 33, and it was so good. Oh, I just love, I was just telling Laura, I love that we are getting into, like, the main storylines. Mm. And, like, the best, one of the best things about a soap opera is that there's multiple big stories, right? One, most TV shows, regular TV shows, you have got one big story that they're trying to tell, and then there's, like, little side stories. But for the most part, there's, like, they're telling one story. But on a soap opera, they're telling five big stories at once. All at the and same time. And I love that we are about to get into one of the most explosive stories. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I also love that everybody's storyline is intertwined. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just, it ups the ante, so it makes you want to care about it even more. Ugh. You know? Passion. Passions. Passions, passions, passions. What a great show. It is good. So, episode 33 opens at the Russell house. Yep. We're at the Russell home for once. And it's it's a nice change. It is a nice change. We've been at the Bennett home a lot. We've been at the Lopez Fitzgerald for a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. We've been at the Crane Mansion. Mm -hmm. We haven't been in the Russell home much. No, not really. Yeah, but we open there. Eve is staring out the window. Buttering some toast haphazardly while she remembers that TC snuck out. And she's wondering what could possibly be going on. Yeah, she's distracted. She has a little flashback of looking out the window, of looking at him trying to get into... Or not trying to. Going into his secret shed. Mm-hmm. Right? It pops back into reality. And Whitney comes in. And she asks about TC. She mm. says, Mommy, is Daddy alright? Like, I saw him... Outside at the shed again last night. And, you know, so TC's not fooling anybody. Right. He thinks he is, but he's not. I also wonder what could possibly be in his secret shed. And I said this to you, but, like, 
That's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. When a man, when anybody, but when a man has a space that he will not let you into and won't tell you about, it's usually a sign that he's keeping, like, some fucking bodies back there. Dead bodies. Seriously. Yeah. Like, that's really scary. Yeah. Bodies or, like, hostages. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, TC comes in the ki- into the kitchen and he's got a little pep in his step. He's like, this is a great day. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling great. I slept like a baby, you know, and he's happy. And he and... Uh, Whitney talk about her arm. He, yeah, he's like, oh, you know, you really got to warm up before you go to practice today, before you go to teach all of those lessons at the uh, country club today. We don't want your tennis elbow to get any worse. And then the camera zooms in behind them where he has left his his keys to the shed sitting on the table. Yeah, and Eve is eyeing his keys like, oh, if only I could get my hands on those. I want to find out what's in that shed. Me too, Eve. Yeah, so they, you know, sit down for breakfast. They ask where Simone is, which is, like, always my question. Where's Simone? Simone? And she slept in, you know. She says to TC, you know she always sleeps in, Daddy. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so everyone minus Simone sits down to have a little breakfast. And TC starts going, like, through the mail. And he's like, oh, my gosh, we got to notice that they doubled the price of your court, Whitney. And she feels bad because she knows that her aspirations are costing the family a lot of money and Eve also brings up that she needs new equipment and Whitney's like you know why don't I just enter less tournaments we'll save a ton of money on travel like I don't want to be a burden Mm. and the family's like no we're going to figure this out and make sure that you get the things that you need to be successful at tennis and Whitney's like you know if I could just get a corporate sponsorship that would take care of all of the trouble yep if she could just get a corporate sponsor they would be able to cover her costs, right? And she wouldn't have to ask for money from her parents. And TC's like, that would be great. I would love it if you got a corporate sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's coming. Don't you worry. You'll get your corporate sponsor. That's yes? right. So then Whitney answers a call from Teresa, who's like, I'm on my way. I'll meet you at the country club. Uh, we can hang out after you teach your lessons for the day. It'll be great. And Whitney's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know the cranes are there all the time. Like, you got to be careful. And Teresa's like, Ethan and Sheridan have their little courthouse thing. Like, they're not going to be at the club. And besides, I'll bring my disguise and I'll change there and it won't be a problem. So I'll see you there. Also, can we talk about all of these people in this episode are up so early? Because this is all before Sheridan's hearing which is at 9 a.m right and they're all up doing things and out and about yeah i mean i get to work at like eight i guess i mean i do leave the house at the apartment at like like six o'clock six a.m i leave between 6 15 and 6 30 usually but i don't know i'm not like out and about right it just seems so early to be so chipper yeah. They all have so much energy. Because yeah. <laughs> later on, Sheridan and Luis and Sam are all running on the beach. Yeah. It's just a lot. Everyone's getting their early morning up. exercise. Ivy's ready to do... Uh, anyway, we'll we'll get into all of it. But yeah. everybody's up really early. They so, are. Teresa's going to the country club. She's going to meet Whitney there. Mm-hmm. And, and Whitney heads off to go teach her first lesson of the day, which is a new student. A new student. Now, after Whitney leaves... TC and Eve have a little conversation, and TC, I think, is a little conflicted about Whitney working at the country club. I mean, we've Mm. already seen that he doesn't care about that job. He thinks that she should quit it. Right. He asks Eve, 
how are they treating her there? Are they, you know, treating her badly? Because I know they're very restrictive about who they let in. And Mm -hmm. I know they just kind of discuss the bigotry that goes on at the country club. And Eve says, well, she hasn't said anything to me about it. I don't think she sees it the same way you do. I think, you know, I think it's fine. He says, well, you know, I don't, I won't stand for any of that with my daughter. I've watched my father demean himself for those people. Mm -hmm. I won't let my daughter do it, you know. But it is a good place for her to make connections. Right. And if she's going to get a corporate sponsor, that's a place to do it. So, I don't know. He's conflicted, I think. He's definitely conflicted. Eve also said a line that definitely sounded, especially in the times which we are currently living in, it definitely sounded like a room full of white people wrote Wrote. a black woman Mm. a line to say, oh, there's no discrimination anymore. Things have changed. (laughs) Like, that's essentially what she said. Yeah. I I remember rolling my eyes a lot at this scene. Yeah, it was very questionable. It just... I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it really, again, just felt like a bunch of white people were trying to convince themselves that discrimination and racism and prejudice were not a thing that existed in the world anymore. Remember, the 90s was also the time of colorblindness. I, wait, yeah. I was about to say, that's exactly what how people talked about race in 1999. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of like conversation I would hear from people. I'm like... Ugh. Well, we've come so far. It's like we haven't come that far, right? <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, so it just it, it it just seemed very prescient in these times to be watching this scene that's twenty years old. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and they're just trying to convince us all that everything's fine when it so clearly is not at all. Yeah, and the fact that they had the people of color on the show, the few people of color on the show, deliver these lines was so. Jarring. It was just well, very who questionable. Else is supposed to de- deliver the line, right? Right. Well, it's more convincing for a white person to hear a black person say, "Yeah, discrimination is over." Then, then we can all be like, "Yeah, okay, cool." Yeah. To pay credit where credit is due, they do give you kind of two sides. They have Eve saying this, and they have TC saying it's not that different. I'm sure that's true. you know TC's still Eve is more. Uh, positive about it but tc's more realistic about it Mm. they at least give you kind of a little bit more balance so that's true eh, (laughs) it's just interesting all of it is very interesting to watch actually in this time but i love this you you don't know where it's going yet but once you see where it's going you will you will understand Oh my god, I don't even know yeah. what that's supposed to mean. You don't know where it's fucking going, but it's going deep. <laughs> oh boy, I don't know where it's going. I don't know what that means. I can't wait to see where this oh, goes. Oh. How did Eve betray him? Oh. What happened? What? And maybe, and you know, maybe that's why she's trying to to make, you know, chill him out a little bit. Is to be like, no, no, things are fine. Don't worry. She is kind of like the counterbalance mm-hmm. to his, you know, his... Uh, Whitney's going to be an Olympic champion. You yeah, know, he's his just, intensity. He's, his intensity. Yeah. yeah, his intensity. So TC says he's going to go down to the country club to keep an eye on Whitney. You know, he mm-hmm. wants to make sure that those people are treating his daughter with respect and dignity. Sure. And Eve says, oh, you're going to the country club? You know, you haven't been down there in years since you were playing tennis. You know, and he says, well, I think I'm ready now. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, Whitney's more important than his feelings about the country club. He yeah. wants to make sure his kid's okay. I, You know. I can respect that. So, TC's off to the country club, but first, he has to find his keys. 
<laughs> he says, have you seen my keys anywhere? I can't find them anywhere. And Eve has seen his keys standing in front of them and kind of has her hands over them. Yeah. And he looks and he says, oh, they're right here. She says, no, I haven't seen your keys anywhere. And he says, oh, they're right here behind you, baby. He got, grabs his keys, gives her a kiss, doesn't think anything about her trying to hide his keys from him. She's obviously trying to pocket the damn keys that she could break into the shed. Like, but it's he so couldn't obvious. go anywhere without his keys. I know. She, know. Maybe she was going to try and take under back. How could you do that behind your back? I can do it. I can barely get a key on or off the ring in front of my eye. I can do it if I already had my hand on the key. If I knew which key it was. If I knew which key, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I So he finds his keys and he leaves. So after TC leaves, the last thing we see at the Russell's home, <laughs> Eve goes out to the shed and I thought... Oh, maybe she took the key. Maybe she managed to get the key. No, she's going to try and pick this lock. <laughs> she goes out to the shed and she's trying to pick that lock. We don't know. It doesn't show if she gets it open or not. I'm sure she doesn't. How could you possibly? I mean, we don't know what Eve's set of... She might have a particular set of skills that oh, we don't know about. Okay, Liam Neeson. <laughs> so, so she tries to pick the lock. She really wants to get into that shed. She does. She's determined. So we didn't get to see today, but maybe we'll see... In about 75 episodes, maybe we'll see what's in this shed. (laughs) Actually, probably in like 125. Anyway. Uh, I'm guessing we will get into the shed in 14 episodes. 14 episodes? Girl, you crazy. We won't even be done with this day in 14 episodes. (laughs) I'm never wrong. I mean, I'm never right. We are in a new day. And I. it's so interesting that we managed to get into day five. I'm losing track of the days now. But I'm pretty sure it's day five. We managed to get into day five pretty quickly. We did. It yesterday. Only ta- it only took like four episodes. Well, yesterday was like the party, and mm-hmm. that really went quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. surprising. Yeah, it's nice. We're moving right along. So, TC heads to the country club. At the country club, we see Ethan and Ivy. Yeah. And they are having breakfast, mm-hmm. and everything's very pleasant and nice until Julian shows up. Sits his ass down, and he is pissed because neither one of them told him that Sheridan had been arrested, spent the (laughs) night in jail, and that she had an arraignment in court that morning. He had to find out about it in the paper. Well, he knew she had been arrested because, remember, he thought she had been arrested in Paris. What? They talk about this when Sheridan is arrested because he says, oh, she was arrested in Paris. He laughs about it. And she goes, no, in harmony. And he's like, well, we have to shut this down and blah, blah, blah. And she says to him, don't bother because Luis Lopez Fitzgerald is the officer who arrested her. And Sam Bennett is not is backing him up. We talked about this. Uh, it was on the I'm podcast. sure we did, but again, I don't remember anything ever. So we covered it. So he I knew, believe you. I just don't remember He it. knew Sheridan was arrested. He was pissed because all of her charges were listed in the newspaper. Oh. Yeah. He was pissed. Okay. He said, look at this. All of her charges are here <laughs> in the oh, newspaper. Okay. Gotcha. He, wanted, he thought it was going to be, you know, a quiet thing. Right. Well, I knew, I knew that he was pissed because it was in the press. And that's like, Julian's constantly railing, much like somebody else. That comes to mind. Against the press. Constantly reeling against the press and keeping truth and fact in public knowledge. But yeah. that's another story. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he's really angry about that. And, but then why does, maybe it's just recap, but Ethan tells Julian that the same officer who came to the house was the same officer who arrested her. Maybe it was just recap. Yeah, it was. Okay. 
It was just recap. Okay. They just throw, give you more information. Just They keep giving you the same information. Just yeah. So, because, again, sometimes, especially in 1999, people would miss episodes. Right. Yeah, because no you one's going to be home all the time. You can't TiVo it. You can't record it. There's certainly tape, no YouTube. We, we used to tape it on a tape. Yeah. But, you know, who oh, wants to go through man. that? Like, you really got to want to watch this thing to re- to set your VCR to record something right. while you're gone. And, oh my God, I remember we had recorded something on the VCR, and I feel like it was, like, Fox and the Hound or something like that. Ugh, such a sad movie. Such a tragic movie. And so great. But I remember that, like, the last three minutes didn't get recorded. Like, <laughs> yeah. ran out of the tape. Run out of so tape. So, how many times did that happen, though? Where, like, you're trying to record something on the VCR, you and you miss the tape. very beginning or the very fucking end of the movie that you're trying to yeah. watch or the show that you're trying to watch? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so they just recap, Ugh. because people back then weren't able to watch every single episode on demand, you right. know, like we can now. So, they have to do a lot of recap. We right. ha- I forget about that. But that's why they do so much fucking recap. Because the show point. comes on every day and people miss it. That's a very you know? good point. Ethan tells his father, Julian, that Luis is not going to be a problem. Because at Pilar's party, he kissed and danced with Sheridan. And that today, Ethan is going to put his ass on the stand. And destroy him. And he destroy says. him. He's going <laughs> to accuse him of sexual harassment. Yeah. Which is, I mean, frankly, it applies. Yeah, kind of. I know that we kind of differ on opinion here. It kind of applies. It doesn't apply. It does not apply in the sense that she rammed it. Like, what she, her crimes that she committed, that she is going to court for. Like, he's not on on trial. She is. True. And she rammed his car, and she fled from the police, and she told him he couldn't arrest her. Right. Like, those are all the facts, and those are true, and there's nothing that Luis could have done in the aftermath that negates what she actually did. Right. They're just trying to just... Ethan wants to destroy his credibility. Right. That's what it is. And this is a simple way to tear him down. Yeah. And But also, she came to his house. True. She came to his house. That's true. If he was harassing her, why did she go to his house? So, yes, that would destroy his credibility. But in my opinion, she still committed the crime. And also... What he had seen, which which he didn't even see it. Ethan didn't even see what happened at the party. Mm, Right. He was busy in the kitchen. He didn't even see what happened at the party. He just, it's just hearsay, honestly, from him. Right. And to me, again, she came to his house. Right. If he was harassing her, why would she go to his house after he had arrested her? Right. If Mm. if If her arrest was in any way connected to sexual harassment and his vendetta against the cranes well again you're very logically trying to say that the two are correlated and they don't right like ethan is just grasping at straws and frankly Luis did sexually harass her at the party at his house is that related to the arrest no but he's trying to take away his credibility put him on the stand and say you can't listen to a thing that this officer says he's accusing her of these things but we don't know them to be true right, right. that's the, i mean yeah well, anyway Ethan lays this whole plan out, and Julian forbids it. Which was another thing that didn't make any sense, because he then... So, Julian says, no, we don't want that in the press. We don't need all of that out there. Mm-hmm. But then he files a fucking complaint against Luis with the mayor. And the thing is, if Luis... This would have worked for me if 
Julian had said to the mayor, I want to keep this quiet. Take that officer off this case. Do not let him go to court. If that was what had happened, I would have been like, okay, Julian wants to keep this quiet. Mm -hmm. But he filed a complaint and Luis was able to see that they filed a sexual harassment complaint. Right? So that, and if Luis can see it, presumably the media would be able to get wind of it as well. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't really make any sense. But Julian, in the moment he forbids it, he's like, don't do that. I don't want the press involved. And I definitely don't want the police to become interested in Sheridan's past (laughs) because we need to, we need to keep it quiet. My father, Alistair took care of that. It's in the past and it needs to stay there. So then to your point, why does Julian call the mayor to run everything up this like chain of command to the very top person and then also file a sexual harassment report in Sheridan's name, which invites the police to look into her? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I have no words. It doesn't make any sense. Whatever. I just don't understand. So, yeah, um, Julian calls the mayor, says he's going to teach Luis a lesson. This isn't much of a lesson. I mean, he. I don't know if he has any actual weight to throw around. Because I think Alistair's, like, the real muscle, and I think Julian's, like, a pathetic arm of the family. Yeah. And he thinks he has so much power, but that's not power. Power would be getting that boy fired, right? You know, in well, I think that's the end goal. But wouldn't you do it if you were that power? You're a billionaire. You run this town. Wouldn't you be able to do that immediately? Right. But I think he wants to drag his name through the mud and embarrass him and embarrass his family. Right. And then, but doesn't and then that, he br- that brings job. the cranes into it? It just doesn't make any no. Sense. It doesn't make sense. It does. Again, we're trying to like make things make sense that haven't been well thought out, and we're. And we're running into the same problem every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the people who wrote the show and didn't do the yeah. work. <laughs> so he calls the mayor and all of that happens. He says to Ivy, he's like, Luis Lopez Fitzgerald will know exactly who runs this town. And then he makes a comment about trying to bring Sam to heal. Yeah. Sam and Luis are unified in standing up to the cranes and nobody else in town is. So he wants to knock them both down. Yeah. So, also, we kind of need to talk about the fact that... I just want to show this again, say this again, that Julian tells Ivy to fire Pilar again. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's adamant about it. He keeps... And he keeps bringing it up. And that, that's how he wanted to punish Luis initially. But the call to the mayor was like his second... He was like, well, if Ivy's not going to let me fire Pilar... Then I'm going to call the mayor and, and do the, all of this. Mm-hmm. But he wants to fire Pilar. And Ivy, again, absolutely flat out refuses. Right. And Julian should be fucking careful. Pilar knows all of their fucking secrets. Pilar knows all of their secrets. And she's a good person. I don't think she would ever tell. But you can only push a person so far. Right. So if she if they start like dragging her son through the mud... They want to throw her kid in jail, Mm -hmm. her daughter, who is a stalker, (laughs) and then they fire her for absolutely no reason, just for, just retribution for their son, her son doing his job. Right. Then she might tell them, oh, Sheridan Crane killed somebody. We don't know if that's what happened. I don't know that's what happened. But but that's what it looks like. She could say it. She said, well, y'all should be looking into this. She could be telling them all of the secrets. There's no telling 
what Pilar knows. Yeah. She's been in that house for decades. Right. And we know that she's a good person, and Ivy believes that she's a good person, but Julian doesn't know that at all. Mm, He He should should be be terrified. He should tread lightly with Mm -hmm. Pilar. If I were him, I would tread very fucking lightly. Mm -hmm. So, Ethan gets up and leaves. He sees Frank Lomax at the country club. The P.I. P.I. Frank Lomax. And so he goes over to talk to him and tells him he says, you know, it's so weird that nobody in this town knows this girl can and and <laughs> they can't ID her from this ugly picture. <laughs> and then he says, but show show this picture around the country club, especially to the staff, right? Right. So Frank goes around showing the picture to people, and <sighs> Teresa happens to see these two people talking to each other, Frank and Ethan. She happens to see them. She luckily has brought her. Disguise with her. Right. She kind of goes up to the bushes and puts on her wig and changes her clothes. <laughs> and then she runs into Frank and he shows her the picture. He says, do you know this girl? And initially she says, no, I don't think I do. And then she <laughs> says, wait a minute. I know who that is. And he comes back. He says, oh, that's great. You know her? Who is she? And she says, yeah, I knew her. She was, she's very disturbed. <laughs> but I mean, she, she was living here, but. Her family moved her away, I think, to South America. And Frank (laughs) takes it. He just takes that as full-blown truth. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. Throws his arms in the air. Well, this this investigation is over. Really, Frank? That's all it takes? That's all it takes. One little girl saying, I'm I'm sure she's never coming back to Harmony. For him to say, well, I guess the case is closed. I guess this case is closed. <laughs> That's it. That's all and it And he takes. was really upset about it. He was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It and in so this stupid. moment. It was stupid. It was so this, stupid. And in this moment, I think we realize that Frank Lomax is about as good at acting as he is at drawing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, his, that was his big scene, and it was horrible. Oh, so, Lord. So... <laughs> So Frank is very upset. He starts to walk off. He starts. He he leaves and he tears that. He tears that. Yeah, picture he rips up. it up. He rips up his sketch, and one of the gardeners sees him ripping it up and says, "You know what? What's wrong? You know?" <laughs> and he says, "Oh well, this case is closed." And the gardener's like, "You didn't find the girl that was in the picture?" He's like, "Nope, she's long gone." He's like, "No, she's not. I just saw her." He's like. Where? You just got off a plane to South, from South America? Oh my gosh, it was so dumb. It's so stupid. And the the gardener's like, no, she. I just saw her sitting over here on this bench. And, he, and so Frank Lomax is back on the case. <laughs> Burt Macklin, FBI. FBI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Frank Lomax. So while everybody at the country club is talking about Sheridan, Sheridan is actually out on the beach, taking an early morning run, trying mm-hmm. to blow off some steam before going to her court hearing. Yes, she's out for a run on the beach extra early. Just like I said, everybody's just up doing shit. I, you know, <laughs> I commend them for being up that damn early. Because her, I mean, think about it. She's on the beach for a run. Her hearing is at nine. So presumably she's going to go for a probably like at least a 30 minute run. Mm-hmm. And then she has to go back home, get take a shower, get dressed, get herself ready for court, yeah. then meet Ethan at the country club, then go to the courthouse. Wow. She has a lot of time to, she has like things to do in yeah. that time. So like, 
what time is it? <laughs> the sun has just so, come up. Yeah. She's taking a nice dawn yeah. run. What time is it? So she's Man. on the beach running. And as she's running, gorgeous, beautiful running, she's just so gorgeous. These people are all so beautiful. And, and I there's can't two, stand it. There's two men behind her running. And the one on the left, I knew. I was like, that's Sam Bennett. <laughs> and the one Shirtless. On the, the one on the right, I didn't even notice Sam. And I love Sam. But the one on the right is like, that looks like Louise. And yeah. I was like, but is that Sheridan? Are they right behind Sheridan? Yeah. The camera angle made it look like they were running together. They all basically three of them. were. They basically were. <laughs> so... <laughs> They, so Sheridan's out for a run, but so are Sam and Louise out for a shirtless run on the mm. beach. I just, oh, they just, be still my heart. <laughs> so they're running and Sheridan has her earbuds in, her headphones in with her Walkman. And, <laughs> and Louise and Sam are talking about this woman who's running in front of them, right? And Louise is like, oh, I need a running partner for when you're not available to run with me because you don't always want to be out here this early with me. Maybe I should ask her and get in touch, like, get her information. And, <laughs> you know, they, you know, they find her attractive because she is. Yeah. Even though they're only seeing her backside, but that's a whole nother issue. Mm. So <laughs> Louise says, let's catch up to her. And Sam says, well, I got to, I actually got to get going, but good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Good luck to you. And Sheridan is like reliving the tango. Mm-hmm. As she's running, I assume she must be listening to the tango she music because it was playing music. in the background. Mm-hmm. So as she's like listening to this music, she's reliving that moment where she was feeling two hearts beat together <laughs> to the two beat of this beautiful beat as one. music. <laughs> she was just reliving that moment and just like thinking about steamy Louise and not really paying attention to what's going on around her. And so Louise basically chases her down. Yep. And she can't hear it. She doesn't know that it's happening because she's got those headphones in and she's kind of in her little dream world. This man chases her down. She stops running at like a bench and he's like, oh man, you're so fast. I had a really hard time keeping up. Blah, 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 starts talking to her. Oh, I think I could use a jogging partner like you. Thank God the woman had the headphones in or she would have heard just how creepy Luis was. Yeah, honestly, That was upsetting. The... So, as a woman who has been followed, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I have certainly been followed as well. I think probably most of the women who in the world, and certainly our listeners, have probably been followed and felt really scared for their safety and well-being at some point in their life. The way that this was kind of set up, they try to make it seem romantic, but honestly... He doesn't know that that's Sheridan. It would be a little bit different if he knew that woman. He was just like kind of kept trying to catch up to her just so he could chat to her, t- talk to her or just say hi. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know this woman. Not at and all. And he's just, fall- she's out for a run. She's vulnerable. She's by herself. She's, it's early in the morning. You know how many times I've been talked to early in the fucking morning mm. on, on the subway where I'm yeah. like, shut the fuck up talking to me. I don't want to talk. I'm like, I'm. Not looking to be spoken to by any strangers, let alone any strange men, right? Especially at like 7 a.m. Exactly. At like 7 a.m. We're not in a bar. We're not like out at a park. We're not like doing like a social, this isn't a social event. I'm just trying to get from one place to the next. And Sheridan is in the middle of doing something for herself. Right. So leave her alone. Yes. And so, again, as a woman who has been followed 
at least two times in my life, Mm -hmm. it is upsetting to see this scene. Yes. Because they set it up as, you know, it's harmless. We know Luis, and we know he doesn't mean her any harm, but in the world, you should not do that to women. You should not, you shouldn't do it to anybody. You shouldn't follow people. You just shouldn't. Unless it's Trevor Noah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, like, if I saw Trevor Noah, I would 100% follow him. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I keep a safe distance, though. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep a good stalker distance. Right, you want to, like, tail him. You don't want to be, like, on his tail. Yeah, and then I would come up with, like, a flimsy way to, like, inter- like get in there. Just run into him. Yeah. Just, like, uh, circle, have, so, you know what? Circle the block. Come around from the other direction. Yeah, run. Run around <laughs> the block to catch him on the other side of the block. <laughs> run back around. And then you can casually bump into him. Oh, my God. Run so all the sorry. way down 8th Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. An avenue block? <laughs> Not even a city block? <laughs> yeah. God, well, woman. Well, it's in like York, a mile. In New York, if you're running around the block, you're going to have to run two avenues. Oh, you're right. I did. Oh, Lord. It's impossible. You could never. <laughs> For Trevor Noah, I could. <laughs> By the time I get to him, I'll be so disgusting and breathing so hard. You know what? I just pass out in front of Trevor Noah, and then he'd have to put, do mouth, mouth to mouth on me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, I'm laughing so hard. I know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm like hot from I'm laughing. Hot. Oh, my God. I love him. Oh. oh. Oh, I love him so much. And his, like, recent videos have been so amazing. Yeah. I, God, I just would S his D. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to stay in. <laughs> I mean, it's up to you if you want to no, put that out into the world. No, but I think I that's a little too far, personally. But whatever. Okay. All right. No, we got to get back to this show. So because... anyway. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, so anyway, he's, Luis is being a creep in this moment, and he's following Sheridan, and he's really making a sexual harassment case, if you ask me. Yeah. But anyway, he thinks she's attractive, he starts to talk to her, she turns around because she didn't hear him, so she turns around and he's like, shocked by, oh, it's Sheridan Crane, she takes out her earphones, and he's, she's like, were you talking to me? I can't believe you would try to talk to me you know <laughs> and he's she's shocked that he would talk to her and they have like a little conversation they have softened towards each other yeah. very much yeah a lot. they had a nice conversation actually just kind of t- shooting the shit a little bit talking about music and oh i love when i go to spain i fell in love with this music i always go and listen to it now and it's my favorite thing have you been right she asks him if if he's been to spain right luis is like i would love to but no i don't have the money to do that kind of thing i've never traveled I don't know. It, yeah, they just kind of talk to each other, get yeah. to know each other a little bit. And then they talk about Pilar, mm. and she, I think this really softened him on I her. I think so. He says, thanks for coming to my mom's party. You know, she really she really liked having you there. And he, she says, you know, I would do anything for Pilar. She's amazing. He's like, how would you know? And he's like, she's like, Pilar got me through my childhood. If it hadn't been for Pilar, I don't know how it would have survived. And I hope you know how lucky you are to have a mother like Pilar. Yeah. And I think he, you know, he loves his mom so fucking much. He likes that somebody else appreciates his mom. And, yeah. and, he, and he doesn't think the Cranes appreciate her. So I think it's nice for him to hear that some of them do. Yeah. Really 
appreciate her and love her because he really doesn't like her being there. Right. So, and it's clear that it's a genuine moment mm-hmm. between these two people. I'm loving. Honestly, I'm. I hate to say it, but I am loving this like Luis and Sheridan love connection. I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it. It's, I just want I want this to happen now. Yeah. Because Luis will make her a better person. Yeah. Luis will make her a better person. And I think the idea is that Sheridan will make Luis a better person, but he's already a great person. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. But, Minus the sexual harassment. M- you know what? <laughs> you know what? You make an excellent point. You know what? Luis has some things to learn mm-hmm. as well. He has some growing to do. Yeah, so I think this is a nice little partnership that's happening, and I cannot wait to watch this love story blossom. Yeah. Although, you know, Passions does not set it up for us. We see sexual harassment, but they set it up for the audience to not see any sexual harassment there. We just see it. True, We just happen to be like, no, that shouldn't be happening at all. But the the way it is set up is like Luis is completely innocent, and he's not. He's not no. completely innocent. He's got some growth to do. For sure. And I... I don't know why I said it that way. For sure. <laughs> For sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like the other way better. <laughs> God. So they part ways, mm-hmm. and they both have really softened a lot towards one another. Right. And they're, like, smiling. They're happy. Luis is very obviously falling in love with Sheridan. Mm-hmm. And Sheridan was already in love with him. And she knows that he's kind of falling for her Mm -hmm. because, well, they both have similar conversations Mm -hmm. with people. So I guess what do you want to do first? Let's go back to the country club because that leads us to the police department. Sure. So Sheridan, (laughs) after her run, at whatever time it is, has to go home, I'm sure, and shower and change clothes. And then we see her again at the country club. Unless she, like, has a change of clothes at the country country club club, and and she just showered showered and got ready there. Maybe. Maybe the country club is, like, right on the shore? Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet she, like, went with the family, put everything in her locker, they went and had breakfast, she went on a run. Okay. That makes okay, more sense Okay, that makes more me. sense. Okay. So Sheridan meets up with Ethan back at the country club. And what happens, Laura? So Sheridan shows up to the country club looking for Ethan. And they're outside now because he and Lomax were having this conversation while Teresa was hiding in the bushes. <laughs> and so Lomax walks away. Sheridan walks up to Ethan. And Ethan starts telling her about this great idea about his sexual harassment suit against Officer Luis Lopez Fitzgerald. And Sheridan is like, no, yes. we are not doing that. It was an honest mistake. I was angry in the moment, but it was hardly harassment. I disagree personally, but that doesn't matter. And Sheridan is convinced. It is, there, it, there's an argument to be made. There's yeah. a gray area there's a, there. Okay, all right. There is a gray area there. Sure. And I mean, if she doesn't feel like she was, had been harassed, you know, it really comes down to the victim. Yeah. And what they want. Yeah, it yeah. does. So, regardless... Sheridan thinks that Luis is going to go easy on her in court. They don't need to tear him apart on the stand. Mm-hmm. She thinks that this is going to be put away very easily and very quickly. Mm-hmm. And Sheridan is correct. Initially. Sheridan is correct. Luis is, does plan to go easy on her. We right. find that out. So Sheridan and Ethan, as they're strolling through the country club... Uh, run into Teresa, who has emerged from her hiding place in disguise. Right. And Ethan is like, oh my gosh, Teresa, so funny running into you at the country club. Doesn't seem to question why his maid's daughter is at the country club, but whatever. And then uh, is like, you know, what is it about you? There's just something so familiar. And he reaches over because he's like, oh, your glasses are askew. Yeah, he's like, your fix cr- them. glasses are crooked. And he reaches for her face 
It's like, if your glass is a cricket, if my glass is a cricket, just tell me I'll fix them myself. Like, don't put your hands in my face. This man keeps putting his hand on her face. Yeah. This is the third time. And it's just inappropriate. It's so invasive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, this is my bubble. Don't enter my bubble. Certainly don't touch me without my consent. You're also basically my boss. Right. There's oh, a, my there's God. A there's a power dynamic there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's... Ugh. Yeah. So, just watching this stuff... Through a 2020 lens is so different. It's so different. And it was only 20 years ago. That's the thing. It was only 20 years yeah. ago. That, but anyway, so that little moment happens and Ethan and Sheridan realize the time. They're like, you know what? We have to go to court. So they, they exit the country club. Mm-hmm. While this is happening down at the police department, I think we should do that, yep. right? Um, Luis is having a conversation with Sam. So they finish their workout, whatever. And I don't know. He comes into the police <laughs> departments and Sam is on the phone oh. with Monsieur Mayor. Monsieur. <laughs> Mayor. <laughs> we see each other play. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> we see each other play. So what is what was it saying? So Sam is on the phone with Monsieur Mayor. <laughs> Monsieur Mayor. And he's going to bat for Luis. But the mayor is having none of it. Right. So remember, Julian has called the mayor, said he wants Luis Lopez Fitzgerald off the case, has filed a sexual harassment complaint against him. And when Sam gets off the phone, Luis says to him, what was that all about? What What's going on? Yeah. And Sam explains to him that Sheridan Crane has filed a sexual harassment complaint against him. Mm-hmm. Even though it was Julian. So that fucks everything up. Right. Because then Louis says, oh my God, I can't believe I was thinking of going easy on her Mm -hmm. today in court. I was going to say that we should let her off with a warning and that she make all kinds of excuses for her. But I forgot she is a crane and she's just like the rest of them. Mm Mm-hmm. The, she's a crane. They're all the same. Yep. And Luis makes the vow to fight back on the charge. Mm-hmm. He's like, so I'm he, not going down easy. He goes to court. So they go to court. And Sheridan comes in with the best intentions. Oh, yeah. Bless her heart. She has bought a CD for him Aww. at the music, at the local music the store. Tango of, music. Of the CD. tango music that she was listening to. And he says, I can't accept any gifts from you. And he sits down, and she feels a little chill, but she still thinks he's going to take it easy on her. Right. Because she, she doesn't know. Right. Right, because she doesn't know that Julian went behind her back and no. did all this. and did it in her name. In her Julian name. Julian sucks. Julian's terrible. And, yeah, so Sheridan sits down and is like, you know, talking to Ethan, her, who is serving as her attorney, and is like, I got the CD for him, but I think he didn't accept it because he's afraid it would look like bribery. Yeah. So she's interpreting it one way. Meanwhile... Sam is like, good for you, Luis. Don't give them any more ammunition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh. They were so close, and now they're being just driven so far apart again. Yeah. So, to finish, we need to go back to the country club. Right. Back at the country club. Remember, Ivy had a tennis lesson. And who's the tennis teacher that we know? Who's the one tennis teacher we know that te- teaches at the country club? Uh, would that be Whitney? Whitney Russell. Who oh. Whitney Russell? Whitney? It, so Whitney's new student was Ivy Crane. Woohoo! Go Ivy. So Go at the country club, Whitney, after her lesson with Ivy, runs into Teresa and says, Teresa, you're never going to believe what just happened. And she tells her that Ivy told her, kind of hinted at a corporate sponsorship with 
Crane Industries. Mm-hmm. And Teresa says, that's amazing. Do you think they're going to sponsor you? She says, I'm pretty sure they are. She's so excited about Aww, it. Whitney. She's so excited about it. So we see Whitney talk to Teresa about this possible sponsorship. At the same time, Ivy is talking to Julian. She sits down with Julian at the breakfast table again. And mm, she says that her lesson went great. She loved her lesson. And she talks about Whitney and says, she's a great she's a great tennis player. She's also a minority. Oh, gag me with a spoon. She's a minority? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, the language around it is uh, disturbing. Ugh, so... And Julian, of course, kind of gloms onto that. Yeah, he takes the like, bait. Oh, a minority? That would look really great if we sponsored someone of color. Yeah, he does not say someone of color. He, of course he doesn't. <laughs> he just like... He certainly doesn't. That might look good for Crane Industries, especially... Maybe we can get ahead of all of this sexual harassment stuff. Maybe right. we can get ahead of the Sheridan stuff. Right. And that'll look good for the board, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, yeah, I would not I would love to meet her. And Whitney happens to be walking by. So Ivy calls her over. Whitney, come over here and meet Julian. So Julian stands up, shakes Whitney's hand. They talk a little bit. He basically kind of offers her the sponsorship. She says, that would be amazing. You just have to talk to my dad, you know. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, have your father call and talk to, you know, the people at Crane Industries. And she says, oh, well, my dad's here. Let me go get him. You can talk to him just so you can meet him. And so she goes to get TC. And she says to TC, dad, you're never going to believe it. Somebody wants to give me a a corporate sponsorship. But she doesn't say who. She says, but they're over here. Come and meet them. And TC's like, that's great, Whitney. I'd love to meet them. That's fantastic. She walk, They walk over to that table. And Julian turns his ass around and sees TC. And his face cracks. Yeah. <laughs> when we say his face fell, yeah, it fell like 18 stories. Oh. Fell. Yeah. He was. He was sh- visibly shaken. Shook. Shooketh. Yeah. Was, is what um, Julian was. And TC sees Julian and says, thanks for the offer, but no fucking thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we don't need your sponsorship. Yep. And then Whitney and TC walk away. And Whitney's like, Dad, we just talked about this. Why don't you want us to get this corporate sponsorship? This is amazing. And he's like, it would be amazing for you to get a corporate sponsorship, just not with these people, basically. Mm-hmm. And we, one day after you have been winning... Lots of people are going to want to sponsor you, and then we'll talk about find the right sponsorship for you, but this is not it. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Ivy is looking at Julie, and she goes, what the fuck was that? Mm -hmm. What is going on here, and why do you look so fucking weird and Mm -hmm. guilty? Mm -hmm. Like, what is happening? So there's some... I mean, we know that TC had a problem with many people at the country club already, but this clearly goes deeper. It goes so deep. There's something going on with Julian. Oh, I can't wait. Julian and TC. This is something I really do remember very deep. So there's something something with Julian and TC. There's also something with Ivy and And Sam. Sam. Mm -hmm. And Sam and TC are BFFs. Mm -hmm. So TC also probably knows so much more about the cranes 
because mm-hmm. of his friendship with Sam. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, oh, oh. Here you we go. You're getting there. You're getting there. there. You're getting there. But I'm telling you right now, when you really find out what's going on, you are going to be fucking gagged. <laughs> oh, I oh cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh. oh, it's so good. Okay, so that's the whole episode, yes? Yeah, that's the whole episode. Yeah, this it. is a little long. Hope you guys didn't mind, but we it's a lot. It's a lot, and I fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah. So remember, you can always get in touch with us on our social medias. Yas. Instagram, <laughs> Facebook at Passions Podcast. You can also send us an email at passionspodcast at gmail.com. And rate and subscribe to our podcast. We are so you know, we are so happy to see like the reviews we've been getting mm-hmm. and the infra- and the supportive messages that people have been sending us have been amazing. So thank you so much. It really does mean a lot to us. Because we're sitting in a room covered in blankets, like, watching this show. With the AC off. With the AC off in, like, 85-degree weather. (laughs) And, honestly, we're just trying to, like, do something that's fun for us and hopefully fun for listeners. And it is really nice to know that it's working and that we're helping to kind of lift some spirits and, you know, have some levity and some lightness and some fun in a world that is otherwise fucking falling to pieces around us. Oh my us. god, this world okay? is like a mess. I don't I don't want to bring us down, but it, you know, doing this and creating this kind of friendship and community with our listeners is really extraordinary and we really appreciate all of the support. We really do. So thank you. Thank you very much. And remember, you are my passion for life. You are my passion. I tried to do talent, it didn't work. I'm trying to do talent too. My passion for life. Oh, it's terrible. Hey, little girl, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs>